My name is Dr. Brendan McCarthy. I'm the Chief Medical Officer of Protea Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. And uh, today I would like to talk to you a little bit about hormone replacement therapy and specifically how to reduce your chances of side effects from using hormone replacement therapy. The thing about hormone replacement therapy is when your doctor prescribes it, you know, a lot of times, always though, it should be based upon lab work and lab work that they've run to show that there is a deficiency in your body and you need this hormone. Like a person who has type 1 diabetes needs insulin, we also need some hormones such as testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. The thing is, is that your body normally makes these hormones at a certain rate and a certain pace and it's higher at certain times of day and lowers at other times of day. When we give you hormones from the outside in, we can never be as good as the original system that was there in the beginning. So, you know, your, your body would make progesterone, say a woman would make progesterone the second half of her cycle. So that would be like day 18 to day 28 of her menstrual cycle. She would have a higher level of progesterone in her body. If you give her progesterone all month long from the outside, that's not similar to the way her body normally makes it. Again, a woman makes her hormones in a cycle and every month there's a little bit higher level of estrogen and then the rest of the month is a little bit higher level of progesterone. And so when you prescribe these medications, you have to kind of think about where are they in their cycle and, and how close can I make this to a normal way the system would be seeing these hormones. A lot of the side effects we get from hormone replacement therapy have to do with the way that they're being delivered more so than the actual hormone itself and that's important to acknowledge you know there is a big difference with doing topical hormones versus injectable versus oral or subdermal implants and and, and every method of delivery has a benefit but also something that holds it back so what i want to do is i'm going to go hormone by hormone and i'm going to go through each delivery system that's available and go over the pros and cons these are such important decisions to make because if you're on this you're on this like i said your doctor prescribed it because there was a deficit something was not right in your lab work and there's a there's a deficiency and that deficiency is causing you some symptoms and we want to prescribe this hormone to you to reverse those symptoms we want to improve your quality of life so it's important that we give you a system of delivery that has the least amount of side effects and the highest level of benefit. I'm gonna start off with estradiol because that's just the, the one we start with today. And, and, and the thing about estradiol, um, it's delivered either through topical, you can have it through oral, it could be less commonly done through injection or, or as a pellet, a subdermal implant. The most common one I come across is gonna be topical. And, and women are prescribed a topical estrogen cream to put on a lot of times it'll be done transvaginally or just generally they're told just put it on a different area of your body every day so so doing a topical you know it delivers the the hormone in a reasonably effective way the hormone will go from your skin into your tissue you'll absorb it you get benefit by doing it topically you're going to avoid a lot of these um, side effects that come from taking orally like when you take in oral estrogen, you're going to have a lot of issues with it converting to something called estrone. You're going to have a lot of shifts with your risk factors for blood clotting. That doesn't happen with a topical. So topical is a lot safer when it comes to clotting risks and with estrone, which is an inflammatory estrogen we want to keep as low as possible. So topical, topical is good there. Where we have a problem with topical is its half-life, how long it's going to be on your skin, and where else is it going to go? Think about it. If I were to take estrogen cream and I were to put on a tabletop, like say, say in this room right now, I take estrogen, I put it on the tabletop, I just put a little smear of it on there, leave the room, lock the door, I'd come back in 10 years. 
in 10 years I go to that same tabletop, I can sample that estrogen from that surface and I'll be able to verify it as the same estrogen that you would put on your body because it lasts that long. When you put estrogen cream on your skin, it's going to, of course, transfer into your body, but your body doesn't suck it all in. A lot of it's going to be rubbed off. It's going to get onto your clothing. Or if you have contact with another person, it's going to get on them. So there's a high risk of transferring your hormone onto someone else. You can say, well, I'm just going to wash my clothes. And that way they won't have that transfer. Um, I'll wash the surface you know, of my skin. Those things are all good ways of, of mitigating that risk. But, but if you don't and you keep the estrogen on your body, you know, there are very, very serious studies have shown that there's a transfer from you to your loved ones. You know, there are plenty of cases where a husband has been exposed to this estrogen from his wife and started developing symptoms of high estrogen. So, so when you do a topical, please be aware of the chances of it spreading to everyone else around you. Please take steps to manage that. Um, that would be the first one with, with uh, topical. Another method of delivery now we go into is going to be oral. And oral is so, 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 so common. And, and that's what people get with their, their oral estrogen, where they're doing birth control. Or, uh, you know, if you're going to be uh, premenopausal or menopausal, rather, excuse me, when you're menopausal, they're going to use um, a lot of times Prempro, uh, which is a combination of uh, um, synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone. Um, but even you may be doing a natural estradiol orally. And you think, okay, I'm doing natural estradiol orally. It's a little safer, you know. It's safer than doing the synthetic estrogen that's derived from horse uh, specimen and, and synthetic progesterone. Yeah, that's true. And we'll get into that in another podcast. But oral oral is not always a good thing. And, 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 and I never prescribe oral to begin with. But sometimes you have to, you know, as a physician. That's the only delivery mechanism you can. Okay. If that's necessary, if that's all you got, okay, we'll do it. The thing is, you've got to watch your downstream metabolites with any type of oral estrogen, birth control, or 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 you know uh, menopausal estrogen replacement therapy. Oral estrogen in women has a high conversion rate to something called estrone. Estrone is not a good estrogen. There's two types. There's ultimately three types of estrogens in your body. There's estradiol, estrone, and estriol. So estriol is the hormone that you're secreting when you're pregnant. Not as important. That's the estrogen of pregnancy. We'll leave that to the side. Estrone is a, is a, uh, a spent version of estrogen that's more common in menopause. Estradiol is the feminizing estrogen, and that's the important one. That's the one we use in therapy. When you orally consume estradiol, your conversion rate to estrone is very high. And the thing is, your doctor can prescribe you estradiol, because your labs were low and they could run your lab work a month after you start the estradiol and your estradiol may look great on your lab work and, and you feel good and that's good. What you don't know is in the background, estrone levels are supraphysiological, meaning they're above what your body should ever have. And if your doctor's not running that lab, that's gonna slip past. Estrone, when it is elevated, does increase your risks for throwing a clot. Estrone stimulates thrombin production and thrombin is a thing that causes red blood cells to want to coagulate against each other so whenever a patient is doing oral estradiol you got to watch your estrone you got to watch that clotting cascade that is a really 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 important uh, component another big thing and no one talks about this this is really important whenever you take in oral estrogen whenever you take in oral estradiol 
you start to increase the production in your liver of something called sex hormone binding globulin. And that's a mouthful, I know, but it's, it's important that you know this. Sex hormone binding globulin is a protein your liver makes that buffers and controls the amount of free testosterone you have in circulation at any given time. Why is this important? If your sex hormone binding globulin has been upregulated because you're taking in oral estradiol, you're going to have less bioavailable testosterone to use. As a woman, you don't need a lot of testosterone, but you do need some. You're not supposed to have zero for your testosterone. That's not supposed to be there. You need some, and I'll do another podcast in the future regarding why, but just take that as a fact. It is important. If you have a lower level of free testosterone in circulation, you're going to have issues with everything from... um, libido to confidence to depression uh you'll have a loss of muscle mass increase in body fat it's 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 a known fact in medicine that giving a woman oral contraceptives more often than not has a negative impact on the libido and they don't tell women this but it is a truth so when your doctor prescribes oral estrogen you should be testing not just estrone because that's dangerous, leading to thrombin, and, and you should also be testing for sex hormone binding globulin, because if that's too low, you have a higher risk of, of low testosterone in circulation. And so so those are big ones. Another thing, and I want to circle back a minute, because I forgot this one. I forgot to mention, estrone is an inflammatory estrogen as well. When estrone is elevated and, and, and higher than estradiol, studies show that you have a higher incidence of estrogen-responsive breast cancer worsening developing, growing, um, outcomes are not as good. So estrone, it's an important part of being alive. You have to have it. You can't say zero to it. You do want to have it be less than estradiol, and you want to have as less in your, as least amount of in your body as, as, as possible. So oral estrogens, make sure your doctor's staying on top of those labs for you. So then the next method of delivery of estrogen is going to be injectable, and that is not as common it's not as popular. So when we inject a hormone into your body, you know, let's step back for a second. When you do topical, you're putting on every day and you're going to have every day a, a little bit of a surge during the time you put the topical on and then it's going to last throughout your body throughout the day in the next morning or whenever you put it on, 24 hours later, you put it back on and you keep reapplying it. So you're going to have a good balance that way. When you do it orally, you're doing it every day, same thing. There's going to be a little bit of a surge, but every day, 24 hours, you're going to have another pill in your body. It's going to keep cycling it. When we do an injection every seven days, it's different. You inject it into a body, and there's going to be a little surge for the first few days, and then over the course of the week, it starts to drop back down. The goal of injection is to try and make it as close to how your ovaries would be secreting it with as minimal of an arc or, or a spike in that arc, rather, as possible. So, so when we do injectables, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a high level a few days after your injection. And there are different types of injections. Uh, there's going to be estradiol cypionate. There's going to be uh, estradiol um, propionate. Um, cypionate would be better. Cypionate has a half-life that's seven days. Um, the problem, though, is when you inject it and you get a little bit of a high level there, it's, it's when you have more estrogen than you want, creates different types of pathologies. We, we really do want an even release rate with it. Um, when we run lab work for that, we want to rab, run lab work four days after an injection. 
because it's it has that curve. So you want to see where it gets to rather than just running your lab the next day because that doesn't show it as clearly. So problems with injecting, you're going to get a little bit of a high and then a little bit of a low. Um, it's not perfectly matched to how your ovaries would be secreting it. But the benefit, it's not being converted to estrone. So you're not getting that hyperconversion that you would get orally. So then you're not getting that higher risk factor for, for uh, venothromboembolytic events, which is when you're consuming that estrogen orally, your estrone levels go up, estrone stimulates thrombin, thrombin stimulates your body to want to create clots because thrombin is part of the clotting cascade. So doing injections, no risks for clots relative to the other ways. It's, it's better. Uh, injectable, you're not going to be fooling around with sex hormone binding globulin. Not at all. So there's benefits to doing injectable in that sense. And so long as your doctor is running lab work and keeping it within a normal range, your side effect profile is actually much lower doing injectables, even though you would think it would be higher because it has that curve to it. The final way of delivering estrogen to a human body effectively is going to be via pellets. Now, the subdermal implants in pellets, they become popular in the past you know, 10, 15 years uh, but I need to tell you, they've been around since the 1940s, late 1940s. We've been doing estrogen pellets. And, and you know, there's good to it. Because like injectable, there's no first pass through your liver that you would get orally. Um, like injectable, you're not going to be transferring it to your partner. You know, topical, you put that on, you're transferring it to your friend. You know what I mean? Pellets, injectable, you're not transferring it to a friend. Um the other thing about pellets is, is that you're doing that once every three to four months on average, having a pellet inserted. So where does it go wrong? When you do the pellet, it doesn't have the same high arc estrogen shots do, but it still has an arc. You know, there's going to be a little bit of a high and then a little bit of a low at the very end. So your doctor needs to stay on top of that. They need to run your lab work to verify that you're not going too high or too low with, with the time frame that you're doing the pellet in. The real thing I come across when I'm doing pellets with people is that you are committing to this estrogen in your body for three to four months with no way of stopping it. It's a, it's a, a, when you do this procedure to insert a pellet, it's a minor procedure. It takes 10 minutes in office. It's not a big deal. Very safe. Uh, plenty of studies show that. You numb the area. You do a micro incision, and then you insert the pellet under the skin the pellet is just a little sliver it's a little chip it's a flake of estrogen and your body slowly dissolves it and as it slowly dissolves it it circulates throughout your body in a, in a pretty even rate but it's in there for three to four months once it's in you can't get it out you know people think oh I'll just go back in there and pull it out like a splinter it doesn't work that way once it's in just count on it staying there so you're committed to it when you're doing it in pellet so that covers the different ways of delivering estrogen into your body. Um, I want to move on to the next one. And this is my favorite hormone. Everyone, everyone, uh, everyone thinks, you know, testosterone is glamorous or, and everyone knows about estrogen. You know, everyone knows, but progesterone, progesterone is the single most important hormone that I prescribe in my career. It is, it is the foundation upon which my practice has been built. Um, yeah, I would say a large part of the book that I wrote really is just like a, a an open love letter to progesterone because of what it's done for my patients' lives. You know, progesterone in women, it's just amazing. It, it, it reduces uh, risk factors for breast cancer. Uh, any type of estrogen responsive cancer, uh, progesterone has been shown to inhibit. Um, progesterone, it, it plays a role with cognitive performance in women, you know. 
it, 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 you know, progesterone when it's deficient, that's what leads to anxiety. If you think about what is PMS, PMS is low progesterone. That's all that it is. So when a woman suffering from PMS, we just give her progesterone, you know, and then progesterone takes care of that anxiety. It, it, it reduces uh, depression and uh, plays a role with producing melatonin. So it helps with sleep. So progesterone, I cannot recommend it enough. If your lab work shows you need it, take it. It's good. So with progesterone, what's important to know about its delivery mechanisms? Well, you know, you could do it as a capsule. You could do it transvaginally. You could do it as an injection. Um, you could do it as a uh, under the uh, sublingual trochee, which is a little dissolving little gummy guy. Um, what's the best way to deliver into the human body? The most common you're going to see is going to be the pill. You can get that from any pharmacy. You know, you pick that up. And uh, the thing about it is that when you swallow it, you're absorbing less than 20% of that pill. So when you swallow a pill of progesterone, you're getting a very small fraction of it finally absorbed because it has to cross that intestinal membrane. And it doesn't do a good job doing that. So your benefit of progesterone doing it orally swallowed as a pill, not very good. Not very good. Uh, the next step would be say, let's do it transdermally. So I just put it on my skin. Progesterone transdermal has a very low absorption rate. Very, very low absorption rate. Some women will try doing it transvaginally, but uh, ultimately at the end of the day, it does not move the labs very well. And, and I encourage you to look at the lab work. You know, when, when you do these hormones, when you do oral progesterone or you're doing topical progesterone, run your lab work to verify it did something. And the lab should be done the next day. You know, that's how you know you're getting in your body. So, so oral as a pill, not very well absorbed. And then topical as a cream, not very well absorbed at all either. Where are you going to get in your body the best? Sublingual trochees that are dissolved, you know, under the tongue at night before bed have the best results via lab work and in the research. So, so doing a trochee is a little trickier. You have to find a compounding pharmacy that's going to make it for you. Not only that, they have to make it where it doesn't taste bad because progesterone, it tastes bad. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, it tastes terrible. Uh, but it works. It works. People, even though it tastes terrible, people just, they, they use it because you sleep amazing and you feel right. You know, uh, it's, I mean, women who have breast pain around their cycle, you know, breast pain around your cycle is not normal. You're not supposed to have that. And if you were to have 60, 60 months in a row of breast pain, your chances of breast cancer just start to shoot up. And then the question you have to ask is like, well, how do you treat it? Progesterone. That's what progesterone does. It, progesterone opposes the stimulation estrogen provides your body. So progesterone is there for you and you need it, but it's so important to get it in your body in a way that you can rely on it. One more way of getting progesterone, not very common, kind of controversial, uh, is injectable. Now, all these years practicing medicine, I have only done it a few times because injecting progesterone, one, it's good. It works, by the way. That dose will get in your body, done. Just the pain threshold of it, the discomfort involved in injecting it, it's not my favorite thing to do. So I, you have to inject it every day during your luteal phase. So I, I don't advocate for injectable progesterone. It's not been uh, useful for hormone replacement therapy. Now, some cases of fertility, yes. You know, there are times to use injectable. There's times to use any different way of delivering it, but it's important to know what each delivery mechanism, like I said, is going to do. So that's your main delivery mechanisms for progesterone. So, so far we've got estrogen and we got progesterone. Let's move on to testosterone. So um, testosterone in women is, you know, 
testosterone in women is controversial, you know, and uh, different parts of the country have kind of adopted a little bit more than others. Um, you know, in Arizona, it's pretty well understood and, and you know publicly accepted. It's it's out there. You know, in the literature, it is a well known fact that you're supposed to have testosterone as a woman. That's just, it's, it's biological. I'm supposed to have estrogen as a man. Men are supposed to have estrogen. You know, if men were to shut down all of their, their estrogen, they would have a wide variety of symptoms. Uh, you know, men who shut down their estrogen because they're bodybuilders thinking that it's a good thing to get rid of estrogen. Yeah, not so much. You know, when they shut down estrogen, you're going to affect the way tendons attach to bone. And so you're going to try lifting these heavy weights. You're going to pull a pull tendon. You're gonna evol- it's called an avulsion. Very high common uh, um uh, trauma that happens from lifting when you're abusing anti anti estrogens. Um, men can't get an erection without estrogen. That's a little known fact. Erectile dysfunction is a common side effect from people who abuse uh, estrogen blockers. So, so you know, we need men need estrogen. Women need testosterone. It's just so critical. We keep it at the right range because if it's too much side effect profile, not good. Too little. Why are you doing it? What's the point? So, so um, topical is the most common way I see it these days being delivered to people. People are like, you know, they go to the doctor, they get a topical cream of testosterone, they put it on. And you remember what I said earlier about estrogen being topical, not good because you spread it to your partner. So they say, well, I put topical testosterone on. My husband got it. Not a big deal. Okay, valid. He, men, testosterone on a guy is not going to kill him. But at the same time, that's his body. You know, transferring a, transferring a hormone to another person without their consent. You know, and, and medically as a doctor, that kind of just doesn't do well with me. Um, but, but, but topical in women is actually one of the worst ways of delivering it, even though it's the most common. You will have a five, I think it's 5.5 fold uh, increase in dihydrotestosterone when, when you do topically. It's, it's 5.5 fold increase. So your dihydrotestosterone levels from using topical testosterone become super physiological. Now you say, Brendan, what, what is dihydrotestosterone? Dihydrotestosterone is a derivative, it's a downstream metabolite of testosterone in your body, and you need it, it's important. But when it's too high, that's when your side effects from testosterone happen. Dihydrotestosterone is elevated, that leads to hair loss in men. That's what leads to women growing a lot of body hair. It's what leads to all those side effects of oily skin, uh, vocal cord thickening. Uh, you know, dihydro, you can't let that get super physiological because that's when you don't want to use that hormone anymore. There's no benefit in it. So topical has the highest incidence of conversion to dihydrotestosterone. Um, and God, you know, you say, okay, topical, it's my husband may get it. What if you have kids or a pet? You know, so topical testosterone, in my opinion, is, you know, honestly, I go as far as saying it's unethical, unless you're really careful of how you deliver it and take it. And if you're going to give it to someone, you better be labbing those downstream metabolites because it's it's can get a problem with them. And, you know, we, we don't want to cause harm in your body. So topical testosterone, there you go, that one. Um, oral. Oral testosterone, uh, there's several different kinds. You know, there's uh, methyl testosterone, and, and that's uh, hepatotoxic. You know, over time, sooner or later, you're going to get liver damage from doing oral methyl testosterone. So, you know, we I do not advocate for that. I think very strongly it's it's uh, against it. I, I I really don't think it's a good idea, but it is available. Um, oral testosterone undecanoate, 
which is another version of it, uh, is not hepatotoxic, but it does have some problems with it. Um, it has a high conversion to dihydrotestosterone as well. Not as high as topical, but you're going to get a big push of dihydrotestosterone uh, uh, in the tissue because of that first pass through your liver. The other thing it's going to do, it's going to spike up sex hormone binding globulin. As soon as you take in oral testosterone, you're going to increase your sex hormone binding globulin, which defeats the purpose of taking testosterone in the first place. Because the testosterone you're taking is going to be rendered inert from the sex hormone binding globulin being elevated. One thing I want to circle back to here, estrogen done orally increases sex hormone binding globulin that lowers testosterone. True. Taking in oral testosterone decreases the bioavailability of your testosterone true oral progesterone does not increase sex hormone binding globulin so therefore oral progesterone does not have that negative impact i want to make sure i'm very clear on that so then one other thing about oral testosterone is oral testosterone undecanoate has a higher risk factor for cardiovascular uh, disease with it and 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 those studies are, are pretty compelling so you know we don't do oral testosterone uh clinically unless you know we're watching all these downstream metabolites and risks we're looking at your liver enzymes we're looking at your cardiovascular health you know it's just a lot you got to look at with these these ways of delivering it um i am injections intramuscular injections of testosterone not nearly the same amount of problems with it again like i am estradiol you're going to get a surge you know, and, and that surge is not the same way as your ovaries making these hormones or your adrenals making these hormones. Your adrenals do make some of them. Still, injecting testosterone cypionate has a lower side effect profile than others, other methods of delivery because you're not going first pass through the liver and you're not going through the skin. So you're not going to be having those same downstream metabolites being super physiological and having problems. Still, though, when you do injections, you need to watch for any conversion to things like dihydrotestosterone. Uh, you need to make sure that the levels are not supra-physiological, and you make sure they're keeping within a tight range. So injectables seems to be the most common one that we use in office at, at uh, Protea Medical Center. And then uh, finally, for testosterone, the last way of delivering is going to be pellet. And that's similar to estrogen. And it's safe. You know, it's just, just like estrogen pellets. You know, you, you do it, uh, a subdermal implant and, and it lasts like, three to four months. Um, it has the same benefits as estradiol in the sense that it has a little curve to it. It's not like an injectable where it's in and out of your body in seven days with a higher curve to it. Um, it's a little more soft, so you're not going to get as many side effects. The, the, the big catch, though, you're putting a pellet in someone's body for three to four months. You're committing to that testosterone. It's, there's no getting rid of it. So there's no going back. If you do an injection, you do the shot, you're like, I didn't like that. You don't do the shot again tomorrow or next week, rather. You know, if you do the pill, you take the pill of estrogen, you don't like it, you don't have to take it tomorrow. You know, once you do the pellet, you're doing that for four months, three to four months. So different delivery systems have different benefits and different side effects. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do topical. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do oral. And I'm not saying what you should do. What I am saying, more than anything, is, is that if you have to use any of those other methods, be aware of the chances of you creating too much estrone, of you having a clotting problem, of you having an issue with sex hormone body globulin. These are things your physician should be looking for and monitoring and caring about. 
Thank you very much. I hope you gained something from today. And, uh, you know, please like, share, and subscribe. This is the way that I find whether you like something or not. This is how what guides me into uh, creating new content. So by you liking, sharing, and subscribing, it lets me know to keep moving in a certain direction. Thank you once again. Thank you.